Hello, I'm uh, with Ellen Gaeta, founder of BodyWord. Uh, hi, Ellen. Hello, Serge. Well, BodyWord, that sounds a little bit like BodyWork, but it's BodyWord. Would you just uh, say something about the name? Well, the name came literally out of the core of my own body one day after returning from a session with a client who had initially called and said, I just need some body work. And once this client came in to see me, within moments it became very evident that the um, emotional content that he was holding in his body was far more present than what was shaping his physical distress. And so as I was leaving and basically speaking to myself out loud, I found myself saying this session wasn't about body work. It was about body word. Hmm. And the nuance of that turns out to be quite huge um, when you're actually working with someone who's holding a lot of somatized emotions. So, so that's the origin of the word. And, and um, in a way, it's also uh, alluding to the two streams of um, influence in your work, the body and the words. Absolutely. Um, I consider myself a weaver, and the word stream is, is very accurate, Serge, because I do find myself holding a lot of different threads or streams of people's um, history and present moment experiences and the ways in which they're expressing or not expressing and trying to hold all that together um, in a very present way um, is pretty characteristic of the way I work. So so maybe that invites a question of, uh, would you give us an idea of what a session with you is like? Uh, typically, someone may come in who may not know me, I'll start with someone who would not know me, and may come in complaining about a physical condition because I do have a background as a massage therapist also, and without realizing that there's an emotional component involved, I'll begin asking them to describe what they're feeling in their body. And as they're describing what they're feeling in their body, and they're still fully clothed sitting on a seat, uh, before me, um, it can help them to begin experiencing an awareness in their body and how that awareness is also connected to something that's going on in their life right now. And a lot of people don't make that connection. That, you know, they just got off the phone and had a very stressful conversation that activates or triggers another memory and another range of emotions. So they may think they're just coming in for one reason and it all gets pulled in together. And by bringing it all to consciousness uh, while we're speaking and then while then they're on a massage table, when I take them deeper into the awarenesses that they're holding, um, shifts occur in the body that um, become more permanent because of that conscious integration of how their body has been imprinted and shaped and formed by that 
you know, experience or conversation that may have had. This happened a day or an hour before. Mm. So that's one of the ways I work. And then on the other hand, I have lots of people who may come in who are very conscious that I do this kind of work. And um, they may come in knowing that they can't clarify what it is exactly, but they're aware that there's an emotional component. And yet they're also aware that they're holding it physically and it's affecting their capacity to be present or their concentration or their um, energy level uh, or even their health. I work a lot with people who have um, physical health conditions. So the range of clientele varies and their own self-awareness also varies. Yes. So what you're describing is that um, the word part is people describe the symptoms or describe the situation, and then as they are on the massage table and uh, you uh, touch their body, they become more aware of what happens at the body level and shifts start happening. That very much is what occurs, as well as the word itself becomes activated. When I am holding someone in terms of touch on the massage table, and I have them bringing their awareness to that part of themselves, and I begin to engage them in a dialogue or ask that part of their own body to dialogue with me, what happens is they begin to hear the words that are coming out of the subconscious field of the body. And as they hear the words themselves, they begin to realize that the words have literally substantiated in their musculature and become um, a certain amount of, of the formation of the self. So the word is not to literally to just describe or refer to, but the word itself at times is becomes so enlivened because of the physical contact that people start to listen to the words they're choosing as well as how they're responding to the dialogue between myself and another. So what you're describing is that in this process, uh, people are starting to be able to relate to words, not just as concepts, but have a body resonance for, for the word. Absolutely. And and to me, the um, goal, if there is such a goal in the moment, it's to create a congruency between what one is saying with what one feels and how the body actually substantiates, supports, and is holding that personal truth. Mm -hmm. So, Ellen, would you maybe give an example, a recent example, of um, uh, some specifics of what happens with that kind of resonance? Okay. Um... It's not always easy to remember, you know, just in the moment what happens during sessions. But if something like that pops up, it might be helpful. Okay, one example I'm having, and it's, it's a little, it, it speaks to what we, I just said, as well as something more, uh, which may lead into more conversation. Um, 
had a colleague come in who was planning on taking the um, um, doctoral licensing board in psychology. And as she was preparing for this, she was speaking about how she felt overwhelmed. And so she was, I had her lie on the massage table and tried to help her to relax and release some of this um, sense of overwhelming stress. of, you know, studying all these factual um, information she needed. And as I was helping her breathe into her body and bring her awareness into her body, she just started saying that she didn't feel like there was enough room and she felt somewhat claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I invited her to get up off the table and to imagine that the uh, therapy room we were in was her body. And I asked her to begin to visually and and physically move through this room that felt suffocating and open the windows and clear up the space. Mm -hmm. And to keep in mind that as she's doing this in an exterior way through gesture, to also feel like it is resonating completely within the interior of her own sense of self. Mm -hmm. And she was able to successfully do it. And for her, it was an extraordinary experience of being mobilizing distress and moving it and at the same time feeling how it was directly affecting her interior experience. Mm-hmm. And by time, by time the session was over, she felt quite open again and balanced and grounded and able to move freely within herself and therefore not feeling any sense of stagnation or um, you know, overwhelmingness. Yeah. So, Ellen, I want to just ask a couple of questions about that. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're describing is that the client at the beginning felt a sense of overwhelm and stagnation and uh, claustrophobia. And um, as you noticed that, you made a suggestion for her to move or to imagine she was moving inside the room as if inside her body. Correct. And in doing that, um, what happened to her is she became able to feel a different sense of self, to feel a different sense of what she was doing. Right. And I think what happens is, search my experience, is an awful lot of people never mobilize the body and feel they have the option to truly activate a change that's occurring within them through a creative um, means such as uh, such type of movement and to sort of shift back and forth between the metaphor that can be externalized in expression and with the interior metaphors that are occurring in the self. So it's not just uh, what they have the experience is not just to, uh, uh, to to use metaphors as words or as concepts, but a feeling it by feeling the movement 
Is that uh, feeling the movement, feeling the feeling the form, mm-hmm. and being able to know that one is always capable of shifting and shaping and reshaping the form, the, the metaform and the form. Yeah. I mean, that is what, you know, we are as creative intelligences. We aren't stuck in our body. We're not stuck in anything. And we can, we can move and, and we are the architects of our own, our own thoughts and our own self. And my experience in therapy is that often people have not given themselves any license to have these types of options that come out of the, the creative intelligence that allows you to be um, forceful and be the warrior, be playful, be the magician, you know, all in the terms of if we look at Jungian psychology and these archetypes mm-hmm. and to be able to access one's imagination can very much help shift an energetic block within the self and I've done this a lot with people who have all kinds of um, restrictions whether it's from physical illnesses um, or, or mental actually so I think uh, you know teaching people how to take license to use their creative imagination to heal and shift, you know, themselves. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, when you see somebody who is um, feeling trapped or limited in a certain role, uh, you help them use their imagination to shift to a different archetype and to experience what it's like to inhabit the form of that archetype. Exactly. In fact, I'm working with a young man now who has a Asperger, and um, he has a um, healthy frame of reference to theater and enjoys that a great deal. So one of the ways that I'm teaching him to to relate and feel more into uh, others, other people's emotions is to take on the role of these other people. And by doing that, he has no problem himself feeling his own sensitivity. But, you know, the nature of that condition is such that it's very hard to feel someone else's. But by me understanding his love for theater, then I'm able to get him to actually take on the positioning and the gesturing and eventually have him come into the embodiment of the feeling of someone else. And this is all happening out of working, tracking his his um, his interests and his awarenesses and his limitations. Yeah. By finding that thread, I'm helping him to actually experience what it's like to be someone else and therefore more empathetic. Mm-hmm which is what he suffers mostly from. Yeah, so in other words, um, as he plays other people and he becomes them, then he's able to experience what it's like to be them. Right, and that's very much a, not an intellectual experience, but a um, very uh, gestural mm-hmm. way of, of learning it. So that's, that's another example. 
I work with touch and I work with movement and I work with helping one to take one's interior experience and externalize it so they can mobilize and move their body through something that may otherwise feel intangible or um, inaccessible. Yeah. Um, I've done this a lot with people who have physical illnesses also. So would you maybe give me an example of that? Well, um, when I sometimes work on the massage table and I become aware that a person is holding a certain kind of trauma in their body and I can help them and a lot of times, you know, these, these traumas are held and they're still held very much in the unconscious and subconscious. So if there's symptoms that are emerging and they're in the form of disease or in the form of chronic immune disorders. And as I help someone to experience what they're feeling, then the next step for me is to help them begin the process of self-healing. And to do that, I will help them to bring their attention to that area and then ask them to enter into that area that feels so blocked or cut off or distant or removed. And again, I'm appealing to their own soul qualities also to say, what does this part of yourself really need right now? And um, ask them to breathe that awareness and imagination and empathetic experience into that part of themselves and then to listen and see how that part of themselves responds, softens, shifts, opens. Um, and it's very slow and tedious detail work because it's very intimate and and the subtlety of being that sensitive and staying with someone who is working that closely with a part of themselves they've been completely shut down from um, ultimately brings about a change and um yeah, so what you're describing is very much that process of, um, again, seeing the resonance and uh, uh, practicing appealing to the imagination, practicing these different shapes, and, again, checking the resonance to make change in the person. All right. My hands are very sensitive, and... Um, so I can feel when I just am touching gently someone, I can feel also, as you said, the word resonance, I can feel the resonance. I can feel whether some, if it's um, part of their being, it's softening and opening or staying restrictive and closed and heavy or dense. And so I can help guide also that process for them because... 
the body is very attuned to authoring when someone's hands are very sensitive and intimate. So um, there's a, a safety that is perceived on a nonverbal level that also assists a person in being able to relax deeply into themselves and feel that it's safe to do so. And so, so a lot of um, play that you know that role also with them. So, so one of the ways you um, use you pay attention to things to what happens during the session is touch and how sensitive your hands are. Is there anything else that happens that, uh, you know, what else uh, is a view is engaged, what is tracking the client, tracking yourself? Um, what's it like for you to be in a session? Well, I'm very conscious for myself of my own capacity to entrain with my clients. And I've learned to read my own responses and reactions as information that could be that is helpful because I can make the translations very quickly when I begin to feel a certain identity um, that I my hands may have sense and then I'm feeling that in myself and because. I know how to access my own creative intelligence to um, to respond or dialogue with density. I can then help the client to come um, as a way of moving through that, to breathing into some uh, part of themselves that feels so dense or what have you. So uh, I refer back to myself a lot. I'm also highly intuitive. So just through touch and through listening again to the resonance of the word, um, I get very clear sense and images of yeah. what it is to be that individual. And, um, and while I'm doing all this, I'm staying very grounded, which is really essential. So what helps you stay grounded during a session as you actually, uh, at this thing, you know, you're on the one hand, you're pulled into getting a sense of what it is to be the other person. So what helps you stay grounded in yourself? I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know. Um, uh, I, you know, actually, I think maybe what helps me stay most grounded, because I am also, I'm a bit of a mystic, is uh, that I live an extremely organic life and have, since I've been very young, I have related to my body as um, a responsibility to attend to at, at such a level that I'm very conscious of the food I put in my body and I am aware of uh, a lot of the sensory information that comes in 
and how that how my my soul's body drinks that up. So I think I am pretty protective at some level of you know how I am how I am moved or what how I am informed and what I allow to um, come into me or not. And um, so I have a high acute awareness of um, of my body self. And I've always used and looked at food as medicine. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm an herbalist, so I've worked with herbs as a way to keep myself healthy and balanced. And um, I think because that is such a personal um, approach to um, my own health and healing process, um, the groundedness must come from that type of integrative um, use of yeah. the world around me. Yeah, it seems like you have a very profound respect for your body and for yourself. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And I love, I work a lot with women, and I've enjoyed that always because I think there's a tremendous amount of, um, of women who have been cut off from their body one way or other. Whether it's been through trauma or just the externalization of, you know, um, uh, image and um, what femininity means and how to move and be confident and sensual and and balanced. And so I've worked a lot for years with women. I think around the nature of comfort in the body. Yeah. So, actually, um, in your work, um, do you want to say something about what led you to to develop this kind of work? What's your background and how you came to do what you do? Well, I was awakened fairly early as a teenager um, by studying yoga <clears throat> and meditation for four years daily. And... What occurred as I entered into this um, consciousness-raising discipline, uh, I, I learned about going dimensionally within myself by tracking my own breath and therefore my own awareness of my breath through movement. And out of that, there was a the whole realm of um, visualization and imagery emerged and while I was doing this I then was in college and I was studying interestingly enough didn't know how I was all going to come back to be played out but I studied the psychology of the creative process Mm -hmm. and um, in the course of doing that uh, I started studying how I actually my own creative process and um, I developed a uh, format which surged later oddly enough became mind mapping mm. but uh, in 73 at that point there was no known thing and um, I had amassed so much information in these 
research I was working on, that the only way I could begin to disseminate any of it was by creating this huge visual um, mind map that looked like the solar system. And uh, my professor at the time, which was uh, Frank Barron, Dr. Frank Barron out of UC Santa Cruz, um, who was like the expert on creativity, had said he'd never seen anything like it. Well, what I can look back now and say is that this is the way I work with my clients. And as they're sitting before me, they may be the central sun of the universe, you know, yeah. of the solar system. But all of their themes and myths and particulars begin to flesh out into these um, orbiting planets, so to speak. So, um, they went on and became a massage therapist. And during the course of that time, interestingly enough, um, I had met two healers, one a Tibetan healer and one a Philippine healer. And uh, this is back in the 70s. And in both cases, they actually recognized me as a healer much earlier than I ever would have recognized myself as one. And they taught me energy healing. And at the time, there was no real language for it, but um, they, I guess I could say, awakened my sensitivity in my hands at a level that um, profoundly changed, I think, the way I ever perceived the human body again and uh, the concept of contact. And then I studied for eight years a Japanese tea ceremony. <laughs> And that was an interesting discipline of Zen awareness and spatial awareness. And it taught me relationally how to move and gesture and pay attention not only to myself, but in the ceremony, one has always a guest in which you are serving tea to and going through this very ceremonial and symbolic um, process. So I did that for a long time um, with the Yurisenke Tea School of Kyoto, mm -hmm. which is a worldwide school. Um, and there's one in Philadelphia at LaSalle University. And then I became a Gestalt therapist, and I did a three-year tra training in Gestalt psychotherapy at the Pennsylvania um, Gestalt Center. What else? I also opened up three schools in holistic uh, holistic wellness centers in the course of my life. So, um, so I can see how um, it's a it's a you know something that certainly was in germ uh, very early on, but grew on through a variety of different experiences. Right, and, and uh, keep weaving them together, you know. Yeah. Um, so, Ellen, as we're coming to the end of this interview, is there something that you'd like to say as a conclusion? Hmm. Well, just to thank you for your time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly, I, I certainly enjoyed uh, hearing about uh, your process and how uh, you have been weaving all of these different influences into something that's a very uh, creative process. 
Well, you know, I think what I am doing is what we are all doing. It's just a matter of some of us are doing it consciously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we are all, we are all the sum total of all of those threads that are either being woven into the fabric or being left, you know, loose. And I think part of the work of a therapist is to try to help people either, you know, weave those loose threads or tie them off. And um, so that they're not just shredding and dangling. Yeah. Thanks, Ellen. You're so welcome. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.